Well, hey, welcome to the For Jesus podcast. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm one of the pastors of Redemption Church Gateway. This is a podcast where we are trying to push into the idea that all of life is all for Jesus. And I have been so lonely the last few weeks by myself. Yeah. And they're back. We're My back. friends back. are back in the in the studio. <laughs> so, Alessi, how are you today? I'm good. I'm excited to be back. Awesome. And Reese, how are you? I'm, I'm pretty great. Uh, thanks for asking. Pretty great. <laughs> pretty all right, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. That's as good as it gets. So, man, what have you guys been up to? Alessia, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, I have been studying. Um, so the last week I have been deep in school um, and I actually have three more days of class. So I am going back to study, but I decided I needed to get out and, uh, and join you guys. Awesome. Is there like a theme of this this window of classwork? Yeah. Um, so work? it's just two, it's two classes. So normally I would be in Chicago, um, but COVID. So it's all online, um, kind of live Zoom lectures and okay. papers. And so last week's class was on um, intercultural communication. Okay. Um, so super interesting and very prevalent to our time. Um, and then this coming week is in gender and leadership. So another real, real, some real fun uh, classes and topics. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. Well, because your program is, it's all women in the it's program. All, yes. It's a program specifically for women. Um. The cohort is just women. The okay. program itself is not specifically for women. Okay. There's actually an all men. I was about to be really upset well. that I couldn't do that. There, there is. Matt Chandler's <laughs> in it, so. Ooh, now, now Reese is interested. She's <laughs> name dropping over here. Well, yeah, cool. so it's just my group of ladies. Um, yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Well, great. And what about you, Reese? Where have you been? What have you been doing? Um, you, I've been <laughs> doing a lot of crazy things. I um, bet you have. Yeah. Uh, no, not that crazy things. I've thought about doing a lot of crazy things, but really I've just been doing a lot of student things, getting um, get excited about what God's doing in our student ministries here. At it's Gateway. so encouraging, man. I love it. I feel like it's the best thing going at our church. Oh, man. I, I thank you for that. Um, it's well, it wasn't good. a compliment to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. It hasn't. It wasn't. All right. Anyways. <laughs> I no, love yeah. being no, part so of it. Thankful. It's so it's so cool to see what you're doing. And well, I love I like like I'll meet new people and tell them like you've got to get your kid there. Like mm. I just guarantee you they'll have a great time and they'll meet somebody and they'll find an adult that cares about them. And of course, there are certain kids who they don't resonate right away. But man, it is just this overwhelmingly positive experience for them. And what a gift! Yeah, it's been great. So a lot of it's like meeting with mentors and talking with adults and then yeah i've been getting to talk with actual students which has been fantastic that's great doing a lot of baptism interviews mm. that's so cool yeah, we've had a lot God's of students working. get baptized lately it's yeah. been so sweet it's yeah. been great awesome well i missed you guys it's great to have you back and today we're talking about a contentious but i think important conversation related to race mm. and dun, dun, um, dun. it's interesting because i think even in in past years if we were doing a king jesus 2020 initiative and we were going to have a series of conversations related to the election i don't know that we would have even had one on this topic but it feels like especially everything that's gone on kind of in the last four years but especially the last five or so months has made this a bit more of a front and center issue. And so we invited Mary Strong, who's a member of Redemption Gateway, to come and to share a little bit of her story and her perspective. And um, I'm curious for you guys as, you know, we already had the conversation and uh, maybe you can, we'll, we'll tease that a little bit here in a moment, but what were you afraid of headed into the conversation today? Yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest thing I was afraid of, well, one of the things I was personally afraid of was that we were, we'll do too little too late um, it kind of seems like a conversation that everybody's already set on and decided on. 
And what it, are we going to add? It would to feel it? like we just want to, oh, this is our little part of it. Yeah. We want to get in on this. So that was my fears. People would experience that way. I pray that you don't. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think my fear is that, and this is something that I've seen kind of consistently during this time is that, um, uh, the heart is lost, um, where we're not assuming the best or we're not understanding or hearing the heart of someone when they're kind of talking on these tough issues. So it makes me nervous because sometimes I feel like we can't, we as people in any sphere can't say anything right. And so I don't think the best thing is to then don't say anything, but it does make that, that those are some of, those were some of my nerves, um, coming yeah. into this. Yeah, I think mine. I think mine are related to what you guys are saying. Is you know, so often in this conversation, we're used to being attacked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't do it right. We can't say it right. We aren't handling it right. Something is happening wrong, and it, and whatever is wrong definitely means you're definitely racist. And it's just so so aggressive. <sighs> yeah. And I feel like I want us to be able as as the church, right? We're making this podcast not for the worldwide whoever. <laughs> we're making this for our church family. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like in our church family, we ought to be able to learn from one another and listen to one another without an assumption that we're being attacked, but to go, Hey, this is, this is friends. If some of it happens to sting, mm. then we go, Hey, wounds from a friend can be trusted, mm. but to be able to lower defenses and, and listen and, and love, man, I hope we can do that. Yeah, I definitely, um, that was kind of, it's something that God has worked in my life right recently is this idea that we're a family of God and you have brothers and sisters and in, in that family. And, um, I'm not good at listening to my brothers and sisters, um, without forming some, whether they're right or wrong immediately. I'm like, is this, are they overreacting? Are they not? Are they, are they, do they see, you know, whoever they're complaining, you know, whatever it is, I just think, we miss it if we don't take time to actually just listen and, and, and listen. Yeah, you start assessing and judging instead of listening. Yeah. You, you miss out. Yeah. You, de- you definitely miss out, miss out because you're not even hearing that person. Like God has blessed you with that time to love and listen to how your brother and sister is feeling and experiencing things and how they even view things, their story. And those are things that God has designed them to be and, and orchestrated them to be. And so we can listen to that. We can grow, and 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 then maybe we can form our opinions later, or we don't even have to form opinions later if we don't want to. Imagine that. Um, we could just like <laughs> hug each other and love each other. And I know it can't always be compassion. There's got to be honesty as well. But um, to in the moment, kind of, I hope this for all everybody listening that in these next few moments and continuing in all that we've done, yeah, um, that you take the time to posture your heart as one to go. Hey, I'm just gonna listen right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to listen to what they're saying. I'm going to try to understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And and then I'm going to pray to God that he'll work whatever mm-hmm. he's going to work out of that. Yeah. Well, we touch on politics at the end. We get to it. But really, the most of this conversation is, is just kind of uh, getting to know Mary and yeah. learning a bit from her story. And um, for a lot of people, it'll be putting themselves in her shoes in a way that maybe they haven't done before. And I think that'll be a good thing. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Mary Strong. Enjoy. Well, Mary Strong, welcome to the For Jesus Podcast. Oh. We are so glad that you're here. Me too. I'm excited. Yeah. Awesome. Welcome to the studio. It's pretty fancy. 
super yeah. fancy. They do have a nice setup. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. Awesome. So, um, thank you so much for having this conversation. I know that this is a flammable topic and, uh, we were talking just before recording about how many landmines there are yeah. when we talk about racial issues and, um, for you to just even have the courage to step into that, um, knowing that there's opportunity for misunderstanding is just really admirable and, uh, I just appreciate the gift of your presence in this conversation. So maybe start with um, just introduce yourself. Tell us about your family. Tell us about your background. Tell us about kind of how you end up wanting to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name is Mary Strong. Um, I have been redemption. I think about seven years uh, came here when my son was pregnant. So that's my little milestone. <laughs> um, so I am married to Brett. We've been married for a bazillion years by now, I think 15. Um, I was raised um, Northern California, um, moved here to Arizona 2002, right after I graduated. Um, I have a son, Levi, who is six, a little girl, Elsie, who is four. Um and yeah, I am uh, half black, um, half Italian, and some other European things, Irish, um, all that good stuff. So um, cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I. Bless you, like the Italian part. Uh, <laughs> we got to Bartolo, and what did you say yeah, your maiden name was? Yeah, so that's my name. She wins. Name. That's so cool. That's a cooler name than, uh, it is. than the Bartolo. Yeah. Well, it also has Diorazio. the apostrophe like and the capital O kind of messes people up. Oh, a I, see, bit. I have a capital B. Oh, that's what's true. Okay. <laughs> We're bonding. So, so, yeah. You, so you grew up not just multiracial, yes. but therefore multicultural, really. Yes. Yeah. What was um, that like? Very much. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I think it's really been kind of a whirlwind. Um, I will be 37 in April. I have no shame saying that. Um, so honestly, the first, I mean, I'd say up until maybe 28 years of my life, um, I kind of just saw this world as being a white woman, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad, is he's first generation. His dad moved here from uh, Italy. Uh, moved Not here, but East Coast. Um, so we just had, we were in a white culture family. Um, that's how I experienced the world. My friends were my, you know, majority white. Um, even, even just to pause you there, you know, the, the history of Italians were not considered white. Yeah. 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 And so you've been talking about how your family did a lot of work to kind of Mm -hmm. shave off some of the Italian, uh, you know, markers. (laughs) Yes, exactly. and, And kind of adapt to fit into more of a quote unquote white yes. world. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was actually a very deliberate part mm-hmm. on, on my grandfather's part was that he intentionally, they went to Delaware. Um, he lived in the white neighborhood. They went to the white schools um, because they, they, they tend essentially in Italy, the Italians were the garbage people. Um, and so he didn't want that for his kids. Um, and so, yeah, they very intentionally assimilated um, to the culture. And, and that was kind of what was brought into our family, um, you know, all of us are mixed. We kind of joke. We're all varying shades of of uh, <laughs> darkness, lightness. We have blue eyes, brown eyes, um, all varying uh, curls and, and all that stuff. So, um, but we just kind of assimilated with white culture, and that was um, what we were, you know, honestly encouraged to do. Um, and I think to an extent, that's kind of what was easier to do. Um, and I think that you know, since it was the culture in my family was led by my dad. Um, it, it wasn't, it was easy just to kind of go along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so there wasn't really something um, that black culture part of it wasn't really something that I kind of embraced and explored until, yeah, almost uh, my early thirties. Okay. 
So. You said it, it. you were kind of encouraged to mm-hmm. sort of live as, you know, kind of the white side of things. Yeah, yeah. Was that explicitly encouraged or that was just sort of understood? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was it was understood, um, I think. And it's interesting because you'll talk to all of my brothers and sisters and we all um, have varying experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it really does depend on how black we look, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a brother, my, my, my one brother, um, second the youngest, and he wears, a, his, wears, her, wears his hair out. Um, so it's a big afro. Okay. Um, and he's been stopped by, you know, police officers just for driving, um, you know, how to show his papers and everything. So um, we all just kind of learned that with our friends, with um, everyone, it was, that was what the culture, that's what they were doing was, you know, we joke about, we watch Martin and, you know, and all of our friends, nobody watched Martin. It's a great Um, show. Yes, it's an amazing show. Um, (laughs) Dang, Gina. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, but that, that wasn't really, it wasn't like held up to the same um, standard. And I think the times that we would like even like our hair or things like that, like those were the things that might've been, you know, teased. If anything was going to be teased, it was like, Oh, everyone's hair. And then Mary's hair, like, you know, there was just, you just kind of learned like, Oh, I'm with white people. And like everyone, I'm the only one in my class and okay. I'll just kind of, you know, everyone tries to fit in. And so the way that we learned to fit in was just to act like everyone else did and, you know, kind of ignore that side, I guess. I think this is one of just such one of the complexities of this whole conversation is you talk race and instantly you're just thinking about pigmentation and skin Mm -hmm. color, but there's also cultural dynamics. Um, and it's not a monolithic experience, right? Like your experience is your experience yes exactly and you're not speaking on behalf of all black people you're not speaking on behalf of all italian people Mm -hmm. or all mixed race people you are talking on behalf of yourself and um and yet there are these cultural dynamics in play that that are just interesting i'm curious as you you said it was about 10 years ago or so that you kind of started maybe leaning into or learning Mm -hmm. more about more the kind of black culture side of your yeah. family or I, I don't want to put words in your mouth yeah. but what yeah. w- tell us about that yeah um I think it was just this you know I think everyone has this moment you know I you know late 20s or you know hopefully about that time um you know you kind of just start to realize you kind of come in to yourself mm. um and I think um it was just kind of this realization of like there are things um about me about my culture growing up that I didn't really realize I was um repressing essentially. Um, and I think that it, it felt like a little bit nervous to kind of embrace that side. Like I would see women wearing head, head wraps and I would just think that was so cool. And, but I'd be like, no, but like, I'm not going to fit in anymore. Like I already feel weird in these spaces and I'm not going to fit in if I like, you know, put on that head wrap. Cause it feels like, Oh, I'm going to like wave the flag of like blackness. Hmm. And like, I don't know if people are going to accept that the same way that they would you know, kind of accept, uh, other things. Um, and so I think it's just kind of realizing like, Hey, like there's a side of my culture and upbringing that, um, that should be embraced the same way that, you know, the other side was being embraced. And I think it was just kind of that realization of like, Hey, like I want, this is part of me. This is very much part of me. Same with, we joke about, you know, Dirazio is a part of me. (laughs) Like there's very much this part of me that I have a black mom and, you know, I grew up, you know, doing certain things that were from the book black culture that she grew up in. Um, and that those things are just as great as the other things. And I think it, it just took courage in myself to realize like those things are great too. Mm. Um, even if they're different and even maybe they're not understood Mm. by everyone, it doesn't mean that it's bad. 
what was that like to what was that like for Brett to kind of be with you as you began to kind of explore some of yeah that yeah part I, of your family background yeah um I, I think it was you know he was super super supportive of it um and I think it was just it was I know he definitely feels like he learned so much through what I kind of had to process through and and, and realize um and you know we I think it's too it's like we we have kids um and so it was just really neat to be able to like walk through that with him and and you know, kind of him be able to see like this side of me, you so, know, so that, that Brett's not a mixed race. Oh no. Yes. He is. <laughs> I guess we didn't clarify yet. So my husband is white. Um, and so, yeah, so we have two kids and the kind of crazy thing is that they, they're very light skinned. Um, so they don't, they don't necessarily, um, you know, look, I guess like the stereotypical, like mixed kids kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just really, yeah, it was, it was cool walking through that with him and, um, yeah, just getting to share that that side with him. So I'm curious what the last four or five months have looked like for you. Yeah. Um, Just how you've been processing it. Um, On one hand, the issues that have emerged in our society aren't new. It's not like, Mm -hmm. man, something really started five months ago. Um, But boy, has it reached a kind of boiling point, or at least Mm -hmm. it feels like that. Um, How has that been for you? And how's it been kind of similar to stuff you've felt and experienced in the past? Mm -hmm. How's it maybe new things have emerged. Yeah. Um, I would say overall, honestly, like there've been some pretty heavy moments. Um, uh, I didn't think the other minority friends that I've kind of walked through that this, we've kind of all realized it's brought up a lot of things that, you know, in some instances you haven't even thought about it in a decade. Um, you know, some things that maybe hadn't processed as an adult or, you know, just kind of pushed aside. So there's definitely that aspect of it that was, you know, very heavy. Um, but at the same time, it's been so incredibly encouraging. Mm. I think the, the conversations that I've been able to have with people that, you know, I've, I've never, I've never had, I've only, you know, had those conversations with other minorities. And, Mm. um, so to be able to have, like, feel like I finally have a voice that the society is finally like listening, um, to some of the things that, you know, the minority community has been, you know, kind of sharing within, um, for a while now, I think that's just been, been really, really encouraging. So when you talk about having a voice and having conversations, mm-hmm. you're not talking about just posting stuff on Facebook though. Maybe you do that. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if you do or not. Um, <laughs> no, not really. I feel like that's you're, not, you're talking about actual, <laughs> actual conversations to get a lot with done. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a one conversation at a yeah. time. It will be very ineffective, but you can get it out there. Um, can you tell us, I mean, yeah. without betraying any confidences yeah, no. or anything, can you um, tell us about what have some of, what have some of the encouraging conversations? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we talked about, and I think the word ally has been brought up. Um, and I think every, I mean, uh, luckily I've, I've, I've had nothing but positive conversations with people. And um, I think really it's, it's encouraging to see an openness to understanding a perspective that, you know, a lot of people have not walked through. Um, the way that I kind of describe it is like the same way that I don't know how it is to be a man in society. I've never walked through that. I don't know how that is. Um, it's the same way that like a non-minority would not know how it is to be a minority in, in society. Um, and I think that the willingness to sit in a space of, of not knowing and being, you know, luckily these are women that I've known for years. And so they felt safe enough to come to me. And even, you know, everyone was like, do I have to apologize? Do, mm. Did I do anything? Um, 
I, I just felt really honored that I was able to be someone that would could come in love um, and, and not, you know, attacking, not blaming um, and, and just speak to these things that, you know, haven't haven't really been talked about before. I think not necessarily that I think in my case, I, I feel like people would have listened, um, but I feel like it, it just feels like you know, the people are willing to, to listen and they're looking to, to ask those questions mm -hmm. versus like, I would have just had to bring it up on my own, which might've been a little bit awkward. Yeah. So these aren't like, Hey people, I have some things to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more people curious yeah. and loving yeah. and saying, Hey, will you help, help me see yes. what do I have anything I need to see here? Yeah. Or, you know, I, I know there is a real sense of, um, I mean, w it just seems like in the culture, the unforgivable sin. No one talks in culture and sin language, but the thing you can't be ever mm -hmm. is racist. Mm -hmm. It's the worst thing. And so, of course, we're all very sensitive about not wanting to be racist. And it seems like, you know, that's good to not want to be racist. Um, but it does just feel so scary. Mm -hmm. And what courage for people mm -hmm. to actually have those conversations yeah. and say, hey, maybe there's some things I can learn from you. Wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I've loved that God has put me in a position um, to speak to people. Um, yeah. And something that my husband Brett had didn't encourage me is that um, in some instances, I might be the only minority friend that that person has. I might be the only one that they feel comfortable um, with asking those questions of like, you know, what does microaggression mean? Like, what does, um, you know, we talk about systemic racism. Like, what does that mean? I hear it's said everywhere. What does that mean? Um, and, and you know, it's it, like you said, not that I'm speaking for everyone, but to be able to um, to share that experience and, you know, kind of give in some insight to that um, yeah. has just been really, really cool. Yeah, wow. So I'm curious because I feel like we, in, in, in these discussions, we hear um, – we hear a lot of people um, are making a very big deal out of race. And then a lot of people kind of feel like we're not making enough of a big deal about race. So where do you land? Where do you fall? How do you feel about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Probably culturally in yeah. the church. Yeah. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, and I think, you know, Luke, had, before recording, we talked about this, that it seems a lot of times that it, it's more, almost more culture that, you know, we're talking about because mm. end of the day, it's like, that's what gets everybody button heads <laughs> is, is like these differences in cultures. And, um, you know, so I think like, I think that there's definitely is a, a race part of it. Cause I think unfortunately there are people that are just like blindly, I hate X, Y, yeah. and Z race will, you know, <laughs> um, but I think so much of it, like I'd say the vast, you know, most of what we're, we're, specifically talking about in this kind of cultural moment right now really is more of a cultural um thing it's it's a cultural um differences and 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 things that we're talking about right now um I mean I think you know because we talked about like some things you kind of bristle against and I think for me like I kind of it's the the color blind I you mm. know I don't see color um I'm color blind um so I think when and I think maybe when people are talking about making a big deal of race, I think there very much is a part of it that we don't want that erased. Mm. I don't want my blackness erased. Um, it is a part of me and I want it um, to be seen just like everything else. Um, so I think the solution is not to say, well, we're all just colorblind and like, yeah. <laughs> let's just move on. Let's not talk about race anymore. And, you know, cause it's like, that's, 
um, it's it's erasing something. Yeah. And, mm. and I think it's just once, you know, you want that to be accepted just like any, anything else about anyone else is accepted. And yet you're also, I know you as a follower of Jesus, you're not thinking, yeah. I want that to define me either. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think like a big part of it is, is, you know, you said you don't, I don't want to be seen as just a black woman. I also don't want to be seen as, you know, just a member of this church. I want to be seen as a follower of Jesus mm. who happens to be black, who, you know, lives in Gilbert and, and in all of these things. Um, and, and yeah, it's like, I think it's this fine line of like, I, I want to acknowledge, like, I, I don't want a part of my, you know, my family's history and, you know. As opposed to like most of your growing up was yeah. living in Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. Erasing that or. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, I think that's, that's not the answer is, is to erase it. Um, but I think at the same time, it's, it's, it's a part that's there. And I think it's just one of the amazing things that, you know, God brings us all together with all of these different backgrounds and races and ethnicities and cultures. Um, mm. But end of the day, it's like, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what we want to be seen as. Yeah. When you talk about it, it's, it's not just about race, but it's about culture. I, mm -hmm. I was listening to a conversation someone had recently with Lecrae, who's a recording mm -hmm. artist who's black. And, um, he was talking about how, you know, when he is around a lot of, especially white guys, they all want to talk about Seinfeld. And he's mm -hmm. like, I, I didn't grow up listening. To this. I didn't grow up watching Seinfeld. I don't know those jokes, but I've had to kind of learn the jokes and get to know the characters, even though I never watched it. Um, if I'm going to be able to enter that conversation, I kind of just have to be fluent there. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there's not really an expectation in those same spaces that those guys would be as familiar with Martin. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if what comes to mind as you think about that as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's like that's <laughs> from a Seinfeld lover. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> love funny because I, I actually Seinfeld. did grow up watching Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. You're multicultural. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seinfeld and Martin, both of them yeah. <laughs> together in one household. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a perfect example. Um, of kind of the, the life um, of someone who is a minority in the culture. Um, and I, I think that's the hard part is this idea of assimilation, um, but it only goes one way. It only goes the way of the minority has to assimilate to the majority culture. And you have to kind of push away all of those other things in your culture um, to become part of the majority. Um, and I think definitely it's, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that we're kind of realize that that's part of the conversation now, because I think it's something that minorities have experienced, um, but maybe not had the voice to necessarily um, feel safe in saying like, hey, like I'm I'm having to change myself to be part of this, but I don't want to have to do that. Yeah, I just want to be able to, you know, watch. maybe I watch the show, maybe I don't. And sure. that's OK. And I don't have to. Um, you know, it's it changed well, well, those things. I'm curious what percentage of that was, um, like your like your family wanted you to do that. As you talked about your was it your dad mm -hmm. that felt like we're not going to be that. We're going to yeah. simulate. We're going to yeah. fit in there. Yeah. How how much that plays into it too? That kind of be hard on both sides. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, I think, and even you know, even if you were to walk into a room and maybe everyone's, I don't know, you went to a swimming party. Like everyone, you know, got the memo that we're going to be swimming today and you walk into the room and you don't have your swimsuit. Like you're going to momentarily feel awkward and you're sure. going to feel like I don't stand in. Everyone's going to be in this pool standing there <laughs> by the side. What am I doing here? Like 
that is what a m- minority experiences. Mm. Like you, and and it's it is what it is. I mean, it's you know you're always going to have a minority. Like it's never going to be completely even. Um, but I think it's a different. Um, it's a different experience if the culture is being um, valued mm. and and it's being encouraged that people show that culture versus like no you just kind of have to like shove that down and um, and I and I think end of the day I think it's you know it's easier like it's easier to fit in it's easier to do what everyone else is doing versus kind of standing your own and say no like I'm doing X Y and Z and have the courage to say that's okay when everyone else is saying, well, no, actually it's not, please get in line. So I want to, I want to share a story that kind of illustrates sort of my thought on really this next question. So the question is basically um, what are some of our blind spots? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times um, we think in this all or nothing binary on off racist, not racist. It's a hundred percent racist or it's 0% racist. And it's like, it feels like there must be some sort of spectrum of, um, of other things. And so I, I, so a story that I think of is I think about six years ago, I was leading a pastoral residency with redemption. So a number of people who wanted to be pastors or church planners or something like that. And we decided to do a church tour where on Thursday, Friday, I set up a bunch of meetings with pastors and churches I knew, and we tried to learn everything we could. And then on Saturday, Sunday, I don't know, we probably went to five or six different church services over the course of the weekend. So all total, we probably interacted with 10 or so churches well, at the end of that weekend, the one African-American guy who was p- part of the residency uh, just very respectfully pulled me aside and said, hey, how come we went to only white churches? And I have to admit, I mean, I was just sort of backpedaling going, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, and all I kind of could think really was like, well, I guess that's because those are the ones I'm familiar with and those are the ones I know and those are the people I know. And so that's what we did. And he said, you know, I just think it would have been the whole point of this was to kind of learn from lots of different things. It would have been awesome to go to a Chinese church. It would have been awesome to go to a black church. It would have been awesome to go to anything. You know, we saw a diversity, but only within one slice of the church, which is whites. And um, I mean, he was great about it. And, and I look at that thing and go, okay, as I assembled that church tour trip, was I being racist? And I, I don't think I was. I think I was having a blind spot exposed, which is to say, I didn't think about the broader. Mm-hmm. I thought only about what was familiar to me. I thought only about what I knew. Um, I didn't think about how it would benefit us to learn. And so I'm really thankful that he pointed that out to me. I'm really thankful that he had the courage to have what was surely a difficult conversation. Um, but man, I'm so glad that he did. And I've learned from it and I feel like it's helped me grow and it helps me be more loving. And I feel like so much of this conversation is like, am I, or aren't I a racist? Mm. Um, and I'd rather reframe it through the gospel of go, how can I be as loving as possible? So of course I don't want to be racist, but I can be not racist and not be loving. Mm. And I want to be not racist and really loving, which means thinking about people understanding that. So I know that's a lot of, that's a lot of me talking, but I'm curious what are some blind spots that you see um, in society, in the church? What are some areas that, you know, folks like me might not see that I ought to, that you'd hope I would start to Mm -hmm. see? It's the, I think what your story is, is that you, you kind of go through life and you see what your, 
you know, your, your background, your experiences, um, your viewpoints, and you see life through that. Mm. Um, and I think, like you said, like, I would not call that you being racist at all. Um, I think the same way, like I said, I don't know how it is to be a man in society. And maybe, <laughs> you know, I would like, um, you know, do if I was going through, I might set up, I don't know, a party in a, a bakery or something. And men would say, well, why did you do that? Doesn't make any sense. Where am I going to do it? Blah, blah. Um, I'd go to a party in a bakery. <laughs> I think you do know what it is like to be. <laughs> yeah, vegan man's pretty <laughs> simple. It's, don't overthink it over there. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just these, these blind spots you think of. Um, and I think it's just this, um, it's an openness um, to see things from someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being a minority in society, I think there's just this, um, you just have to get used to, um, you know, maybe the music not being what you would prefer, um, like gospel music, for example. Like I grew up listening to gospel. Like that's that was my first experience as a Christian music was gospel music. Um, and I just know I'm not going to hear that here. Like it's it's just and it's not a hard feelings things. It's just the reality of I know that's a minority music mm-hmm. category and I would not expect to hear it here because it's you know, not going to reach the vast majority. People are not going to have, um, you know, the same experiences that I would have with that. Um, but I would say the same thing. I, I didn't grow up listening to a lot of like the old hymns. I don't have any background with that. It, it doesn't um, really hold that same sort of weight to me. Mm. Um, and especially the, the way that I see um, some of like, my, you know, my parents' generation, like experiencing those songs and them hearing it in, in you know, uh, Sunday school, I don't have that same experience with it. That was not what my mom listened to, who was a Christian in my household. Um, that's not what she listened to. So it's not what I listened to. Um, so I think it's just, um, it's having an awareness that what um, what you experience as someone in the majority is not going to be seen the same. And I think like your example was perfect of you didn't think anything of the fact that you didn't go to these churches, but you know, because what you were used to was represented. And I think that's a lot of um, what's happening right now is, um, you know, it's kind of what your, your norms and your cultures are just not like, you just don't see them everywhere. Yeah. Um, when it feels like th- there's a couple of dangers. One is that someone sees a blind spot and goes, aha, racist. Mm-hmm. And it sort of ends the conversation yeah. and the relationship. Yeah. And the other is if the person on the receiving end, right, if I had gone, well, don't you know about how much I care about, black people. And don't you know about all the things I've done? And I start defending yeah. myself. It's just interesting to me how as Christians, we're people who we didn't get into this because we had some great resume. But as soon as anyone starts to point out a potential blind spot or a potential maybe area, a sin of omission or even actual racism, yeah. boy, we get that resume out quick. In every other area we go, search me, oh God, is this true? And in, in that area, man, we get defensive. And so I feel like um, we have to just be so careful with each other, mm-hmm. but we also need the humility that I think can only come from the gospel. I think yeah. partly why this, the conversation just is almost impossible in the culture is because people aren't drawing from the humility that only the gospel brings. Mm-hmm. Well, what? it takes a lot of dependence on the Lord in that because our culture right now will crucify you for yes. I- even admitting that there was like, a, oh, well, I was a blind spot. They're like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that would stamp you're a racist yep. or these things. Yeah. And there's just got to be a lot of humility, humility and really trust in the Lord to say, yeah, uh, that was, I didn't think about that. And 
I'm gonna, you know, the Lord's gonna have to work on that in me. And I just think that's a scary place to be, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yet we're called to walk into that, which is beautiful. So, yeah. Sorry, just as you were talking, I was like, "Holy crap! No, that's that's, a, yeah. that's a real deal. That's so. true." Yeah, and, and again, I mean, I'm just speaking for myself, but it's like I look at it as it's any other sin. Like it's any other way that we could not see each other, mm-hmm. that we could not love each other well, that we could not understand each other. Um, it, it's just like any of those other ways. I mean, it's the same way that I might not be as compassionate or understanding to someone who's going through something hard and I say something harsh mm-hmm. and I say something that's not really considering where they're at. And maybe I didn't even know, I didn't even know they're going through this hard spot and I say something that's really insensitive. I mean, again, if they respond to me in love, it's just any other misunderstanding. It's just any other, oh my goodness, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And, and it's not this vilifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the hard spot where we're at right now where it's it's like Luke said it's it's just this like you cannot be blind to that you know you can't make a mistake in that area therefore it's just it's unforgivable thing um and and I know for me personally I mean any of the stuff that I've experienced it none of it has been like maliciously this is an evil act of someone Mm. It's just not experiencing from the same viewpoint and it's just not seeing the, the same thing yeah. um, that someone else would and just not being aware of it. So you mentioned music, right? And mm-hmm. how that's kind of an experience. So, so here, I think, I mean, I'm sitting here and we're sitting here going, we're not going to get defensive. I'm going to invite anyone who's listening to say, I'm going to listen to this, knowing that Mary Strong is not out to call me a racist and make me accuse me, uh, this is coming from love, but what are some other blind spots or what are some things that you hope people in the majority culture of Gateway would understand about someone not from that perspective? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, right now there's just so, everything is so divided and divisive. Um, and, and prepping for um, this interview, uh, like I said, I'll be 37 and I, I haven't really done any deep dive into the history of civil rights into, you know, Jim Crow laws and, mm-hmm. and all of these things that are being sort of talked about. And, you know, it's kind of um, influencing a, a lot of these things we're talking about. Um, and, and I think it's just being open to someone being, you know, talking about the same issues you're talking about same you know I watch his videos like why is it we're so different we're watching this we're listening uh, reading the same bible um we're talking about the same Jesus yet we see things so differently mm. um I think it's just like an, an openness mm. to the fact that yes you can be on the same page with everything um but some of these issues just might hit home a little harder for some people than others um and and might you know, bring up some stuff. And I think just for all of us to, you know, understand, like it's not um, maybe something you might see as not literally black and white, but, you know, like a cut and dry kind of, of conversation might not be that way um, for everyone, depending on what culture they're coming from, what their, their history um, has been. Yeah. So um, one thing we haven't really talked about here yet, has been politics Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this conversation is happening in the context of this uh, King Jesus 2020 
conversation, right? All the other conversations we've been having in this have been, most of it's been so, sort of directly connected to politics. We haven't gone there yet. Um, so let's go there. So just in case this got more flammable, whoo, here we go. Um, <laughs> there's the match. Yeah, there's the match. Um, so it seems to me like um, a lot of, I'll just talk about, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I'll talk about the people I know. Because I have, I have white Republican Christian friends. I have black Democrat Christian friends. And both of them tend to think, I don't know how a Christian could vote for them, whoever the them is. Um, right? A lot of white Christians who are going, I don't know how anyone could vote for a Democrat um, at all. Other And other um, black and brown friends I have who are going, I don't know how anybody could vote for Republicans. I don't know how anybody, especially could vote for Trump. Oh, gosh, it's just <laughs> like, it's crazy. And... Um, and so I guess that I'm curious from your perspective, um, and again, it's just your perspective. Is there anything that you feel like could help us understand each other better? Because I just don't want to play the, well, if you vote for them, you're not a Christian card. I don't feel like I don't have a verse for that. Um, and I hesitate to sort of strap on a junior Holy Spirit badge and, you know, play who's in, who's out. So any, do you have any insight there or any perspective that, um, you would bring to, to yeah, this conversation? Um, a lot of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's so hard. Um, and I think it's it's so easy to think that um, you believe in the gospel, so vote this way. And, um, and if you do, then you cannot vote this way. Um, I think end of the day, we're not, neither one of them are upholding the gospel. Mm. Like, that's just not happening. Um, if you vote one way, it's for this set of values. And if you vote the other way, it's for these set of values. And neither one of them like checks all of the gospel boxes if you're going to go down that road. Um, and, and so I think that's definitely what makes this difficult. Um, but I think end of the day, it's like we all have to, you know, talk about what's the best of evils. Um, you know, I mean, we're not we know that this government is not going to be like, it's not our savior and it's, mm. it's not going to fix all of our societal problems. I mean, as much as either one want to say that it's going to bring unity and it's not, and it's going to fix poverty and it's going to, you know, with bring up the needy and the, it's not. Um, and so I think, I think you just have to really bring it back to Jesus. And, you know, like my husband was saying this morning, he's like, well, if Jesus were here, he wouldn't be a Republic or, or a Democrat. He wouldn't be either one of them. Like he would not fall down those lines. He wouldn't be so, independent. Probably. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Boy. It's interesting because even, I mean, even that, I know there are some people listening who just wrote you off yeah. because they would go, well, of course Jesus would be a mm -hmm. whatever. And it, yeah. amazingly, it tends to be whatever they are <laughs> mm -hmm. is how it tends to work. Um, but yeah, I, I, as I think about the Christians I know, and as I've had a lot of these conversations on this, I feel like the Christians I know who are voting are voting both out of a conviction of what they sense is right and important and in spite of mm -hmm. whoever they're voting for's mm -hmm. weakness. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and I just think if we realize that that's what's going on, we are making moral calculus. We are deciding here's what I think is best for the world. I think that's inherent in a vote, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like all in on every part of, mm -hmm. of, uh, whoever you're voting for, but man, that feels so, mm -hmm. that's what's so frustrating for a lot of Christians is to go, man, I, I want it to be so simple. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of Christians, just for honest, it just is really simple. It's mm -hmm. a lot more simple than we're making it. Um, it all comes down to this issue or that issue. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's a complicated world we're living in. Yeah. I mean, I just love that we have a God who is, is so all-knowing mm -hmm. and is able to give us clarity in these things. Yeah. Um, and I think, like you said, we just have to kind of search our heart and, and see where, you know, the Lord's leading you with it. Um, you know, and I think we all bring our own different experiences and perspectives into, mm. you know, some of the things that might weigh heavier for others. And I think like, I think the danger is to, to give those statements that says, well, a Christian can't vote this way or a Christian can only vote this way. Um, because I think that that, that takes the Holy spirit out of it. It takes, you know, the way that he might convict, um, someone of, you know, an issue and maybe that's just, is, is ringing more true to their heart at the moment. Um, we just don't know how people, you know, God's going to lead them in that way. Um, and I think it's just kind of sowing more division. Mm. Um, if we're going to kind of stake our, our claim in that, because you know, end of the day, I mean, nine years from now, we're going to be talking about either one of them. <laughs> like no matter how this pans out, we will not be talking about either one of them the way we are. Yeah. Um, but we're still going to be a church. We hopefully this, mm. this, you know, we'll, we'll still be here. Um, yeah. and we're still going to, you know, be together and, and expected to love each other the same way they were expected to love each other now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's scary to think that we are going to potentially let something the end of the day, like political systems, not our savior, like it's not going to redeem any of this. Um, and I think we just, we, we take it. And the way I'm personally looking at it is, is, you know, we're in this culture, but I'm not of this culture. Mm. You know, I'm in a member of another kingdom and I'm just going to kind of make with through a lot of prayer, make the most informed decision I can with what yeah. I have in front of me. Um, and, and then just kind of leave the rest of it in God's hands. Um, yeah. Because they said, I, I am, I, at least to me, I, I just, I feel like you can't look at either one of them and say, yes, that's absolutely a hundred percent gospel driven checks all the boxes. Yeah. There's no contradictions there. There's no yeah. um, things that would bump up against that. Even if they hold up a Bible? <laughs> Mary, I think that is such a, uh, that's a beautiful place to end, I think. Yeah. It's just reminding us of the vision of who we are as the people of God. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having this conversation. Yeah. Again, thanks for um, helping us learn and, and sharing your experience. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Mary. Thank you.